you have the e-crime players, which is really where this threat ecosystem is really kicking off. They've learned how to monetize it. And then you have your APT actors. They will always be a consistent kind of a pushing ahead of the bell curve type threat. And then I think you're going to see this massive pickup of hacktivism. Security attacks are absolutely frightening. What helps us sleep at night is having people who understand the threats and have the chops to manage them. Derek Hardy, a corporate vice president and chief information security officer of AMD, a company with a rich history in semiconductors, has that expertise and ability. Take a listen to his interesting viewpoint on the current state of cybersecurity threats. Enjoy this episode. Derek Hardy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Albert. Really, really happy to be here. Really excited. Uh, I, I've been following the podcast for a while now, and I'm really honored to be uh, invited to your show. Yeah, listen, it's been fun doing IT Visionaries for a long time. We've done it over 300 plus episodes. We've had interesting guests in every state of technology. You know, it started as IT, it's expands widely. You're the CISO at AMD. But before we get into your role and what's happening in the world of chips, that's all I like to say it. <laughs> well, and, and if someone doesn't know what AMD is, why don't you go ahead and tell us what is AMD and what do you guys do? Yeah, so diving into just a little bit of detail of chips, right? Yeah. GPUs, CPUs, embedded systems. <laughs> and, and now we just closed a fantastic acquisition with Xilinx to bring in uh, FPGAs, programmable chips. So just think of everything from powering your, your PCs to everything that's powering the cloud to everything that even into your, your home entertainment system, right? You'd be surprised of what devices we're in, including the Xbox and the Playstations. So we're pretty ubiquitous across the, the globe at this point. Um, and man, what a transformation AMD has been under in the last couple of years. My role as a CISO is just a, just a fantastic role. And I've gotten the opportunity over the last three and a half, four years to, to, to help work with AMD and, and help you know, keep all of that critical data and all that critical infrastructure secure. So for those of you out there that don't know, which I'm pretty confident everyone out there knows, and what Derek just said hinted at, an AMD component is probably in 100% of the households in America today. And arguably, possibly, is it possible to say globally? Like any house that has consumer electronics is probably going to have something with an AMD chip in it. Something from AMD DNA, I would say there's a high chance uh, that were that were in your household, especially if you have kids between the ages of seven and and twenty two. There, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there there you go. Yeah, every toy now I call them toys still, but every, I got kids in that exact age range, seven to thirteen, hundred percent. Everything that they buy to everything today is like is electronic component of some sort, right? Like wood blocks aren't sold anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My kids actually play with uh, wood blocks on their tablets. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's an app. It's an app to staff good blocks. But you know, for a lot of people, when they think about security, they always think about software, like a software component. Of course, AMD processes software or is part of the software chain. Talk a little bit about security in in your role at your company specifically, because it is a little bit different. Most of our guests in the past firm are in the cybersecurity realm, they often represent software or networking components, or they'll represent other typically cloud software, whether it's on-prem routing systems, we see that, but at the chip level or internal component level, 
You're our first CISO in that domain. Talk about what it means to be a CISO in this domain. Why is it so important? How do you, and what threats, if they are different, that are unique to you being an internal components provider? Sure. I think you hit the nail on the head, right? I mean, there is a hardware component, but just as equally as important as the software components that powers the microprocessors. Um, the threats are the threats are different, and at AMD, you know, security is a very high priority. We extensively go through threat modeling to understand what those threats are, and then we work to bring those requirements in as early as we possibly can in that lifecycle, and making sure that both the hardware and the software really execute together to get a secure environment, all the way down to you know what we call that that base zero, right? Your CPU and how that CPU interacts with the overall system. So what goes into it? Like when we think of, when we think of at the network level in the past, we understood like, Hey, people are trying to upload, download, steal traffic, steal information at the network layer level. I'm sure it's similar to what you're talking about here. It's just that, Hey, instead of as information is traveling across the internet or something, and they're trying to intercept it at that point for you, it's like, Hey, these guys are actually going right to the processing component. Like these, that's what they're trying to get at. I'd love for you to kind of describe for someone who might only know network security, like, Hey, what is the difference that's securing at the, you know, the IC level? I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of similar, Albert. I mean, if you think of people tapping into the, the network layer by putting in a device to intercept signal, think of it the same way as your motherboard, right? People literally soldering mm-hmm. devices into the motherboard to try to intercept those communications and, and tear them apart. And, and that's where our technology comes in to really help secure that. Soldering directly in? That's like Mission Impossible. It is. People do it. You'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. So, you know, one of the cool things about AMD is because of the breadth of devices that you have to secure, you know, that gives you a unique perspective, probably a little bit different from a lot of our other guests that have been on the show that might be focused on their software where you guys are protecting things across all different industries. Give us an idea. What is happening today from your perspective in the cybersecurity space that might have changed in the last couple of years? Are things heading the same? Are things becoming more intense? It feels like, because if I watch the news, it feels like things are definitely becoming more intense, more hackers and stuff like that, trying to do different things. You have a unique perspective. I'd love to hear it. What are you seeing in the state of both the threats and what you guys need to do on your side to protect against these threats? Yeah, Albert, really good question. I think you're right. I think you're seeing it in the news. I think you're seeing it across the industry. The time to threat is lowering considerably, right? There's a whole ecosystem. This whole threat innovation ecosystem is in many cases advancing quicker than the cybersecurity ecosystem that, that supports it. And it's becoming this race condition where cyber has to keep up with the, the threat of attacker innovation. I mean, I, I think we, we've seen the reports out there around these ecosystems of access brokers and initial penetration attacks, then folks who who really uh, the, the run to ground the the actual exploitation of these of these companies, uh, and and so what you're seeing is I mean, the companies previously who security has been a a moderate priority has to shift in the gear right they they're really pushing into kind of high gear and making security one of their top priorities to help stay ahead to catch up to that ecosystem and and pull ahead in that ecosystem, and I don't think it's going to get any slower. I think what we're going to see is we're going to continue to see that ecosystem accelerate. Uh, I think. You know, and then looking at the, the side angle to it, Albert is you know the, the three major groups. Right, you have the e-crime players, mm. which is really where this this threat ecosystem is really 
kicking off and they, they've learned how to monetize it. And then you have your APT actors, right? That they will always be a consistent kind of a pushing ahead of the bell curve type threat. And then I think you're going to see this massive pickup of hacktivism, right? This third group. Hacktivism. Hacktivism. What we're, what we're seeing in kind of the, the Russia-Ukraine where everyone's turning on kind of Russia and hundreds of thousands of individuals are kind of focusing their, their attention on kind of the, the, the political spectrum of then moving instead of protesting to the streets into kind of the, the digital world. And I, I think we're going to continue mm. to see more and more of that uh, at play in the future. Like the anonymous is in V for Vendetta kind of concepts. Exactly. Right. Instead of picketing in the streets, they're, they're, they're picketing with, with digital. So what does that mean for your team? Because this is, like you said, if we follow the trend, this is going to happen more frequently, probably at a faster velocity. So that means in a way your team has to be faster as well, right? Absolutely. Uh, faster, better. All those things are coming true. What does it mean for you? What kind of talent do you need to make sure this happens? You know, obviously we can't ask you what you're going to do about it, but I'd love to understand organizationally how you're thinking about approaching this problem because this problem's, you know, it's it's not unique to AMD, but it is unique in the sense that you have so many, like you have so many things I think you are overseeing, right? It's a whole lot different. I mean, not I'm not trying to marginalize software, but if I'm a software application <laughs> or something, I feel like I have fewer endpoints. You got a lot more endpoints to secure. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's where you're, where you're going. It's a it's a velocity. I think you mentioned, you know, threat has both direction and and uh, velocity to it. And I think an AMD is no different, right? What we have to do is understand the vector of where these threats are going, making sure we have the right people, processes, and technology, making sure we're focusing it and communicating it up and down of our, our, our leadership stack and our tech stack. We're preparing our employees, we're preparing, we're preparing our tech and making sure that we are staying ahead of that, that curve. And uh, I, I think I think we're doing a good job, but we're, we're doing the right things to help us along those journeys. How about, you know, one of the things that we see and hear continuously through the CISOs, IT leaders, everyone in different companies is talking about the skills gap, how companies have to play a bigger role in potentially closing that skills gap. Because I, I feel like you're probably in the same boat, right? Where you you guys need lots lots of roles. And then also we need lots of people to upskill a little bit to match that demand. Talk about how you got how you're seeing the skill in the current labor force and where do you think it needs to be. And you know, I'd love to hear like how you, you know, what you think the next wave, because we definitely have a lot of listeners on our show that are also currently like in school. They're learning something to be in the tech field. Give us an idea of what you guys are like skills wise, where you see the market like you guys need. What do you guys need? Well, well first of all, to, to your listeners, we are hiring <laughs> <laughs> and, and we have a strong intern program. So if there's anybody looking for uh, first roles, please check out our website. And the second, you know, I just I read a fantastic, a really fantastic blog on Microsoft's website the other day. It was one out of every job openings is a cybersecurity job. Um, and, and that just kind of blew my mind about just the... What was the number? For every 20 jobs that are open in, in the US, one of them is a cybersecurity job. That's insane. Isn't that incredible? I mean, to that point, the, the war for cyber talent is intense. Um, and, and to win that war, you know, you have to be, you have to be firing on all cylinders. Uh, we, we have a very kind of directed, targeted... Uh, HR campaign and, and recruitment campaign, looking for the best and brightest to bring them into AMD cyber. 
we invest heavily into our internal teams, you know, keeping them aligned and keeping them connected to the velocity of cyber and making sure that they continue to sharpen their stall and stay on that, that leading, bleeding edge. We're also looking at creating some, some unique partnerships with local universities here in Austin to strengthen that supply chain and strengthen that uh, talent supply chain and fast track them into AMD. And then finally, mentorship, right? Being a good mentee, understanding your, your peer groups uh, and making those connections are always great ways to, to find that talent and bring them into an awesome company. Is there a specific skill that's unique to that you would say is more unique to working at AMD specifically since you guys are more like on the component side or is general like a, give us an idea of like a general coursework you would recommend for someone to take like, hey, you guys got to be versed in X, Y and Z. So I, I've always found that the best, not the only path, but one of the, the better paths in the information security is going through software development classes, going through networking classes. And really, if you start taking a look at it, security is kind of a, a pinnacle of a, of a talent, right? So understanding software, being able to understand the vulnerabilities in it, understanding hardware, being able to understand the vulnerabilities in it, mm. understanding network, being able to understand the, the specific vulnerabilities in it. So building those strong foundational skills gives you that platform to then transform and jump into being able to uh, think differently from an attacker's perspective and, and help secure the environment. No, that's great. And when you get that talent in-house and it comes together, how do you guys, I guess, encourage and promote innovation? Because the unique thing about cybersecurity is, of course, you guys are building solutions to problems that you don't know what they are yet. You know what I mean? So you constantly got to have teams thinking forward, thinking about the next thing, because you never want to be in a reactionary model. You got to be in a, you know, like a thought leadership model almost. How do you go about promoting innovation inside the organization? Because, you know, all ideas, like as much as I'd love to give you credit, Derek, I know all the ideas can't come from just you. It has to come from <laughs> a lot of people have to be part of the solution. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I can't talk about other companies, but I can say AMD always designs with security in mind. And, and part of that is this threat modeling. Right. We have to understand the threats now. We have to look into the future and understand what those future threats are. Uh, and we, we pull those together to help turn those into requirements and bake those into current products, future products. And, and it's not, I mean, it's not only products now, but you also have to consider the life cycle of a product. Mm. Right. And making sure your talent is honed and plugged into the critical partnerships, plugged into industry, plugged into the, the forms, right? To see what people are doing with your products and then bring that back into your organization to then layer the security, to help layer that security ongoing in your in your environment and ensure the the long-term health and, and uh, security of that product. No, that makes total sense, especially given, like you said, you know, you're in so many consumer devices. People have had these devices. You know, I could have bought advice 10 years ago has AMD components. It still needs to, and the amount of devices that we just suggested that are now all connecting to the internet this is a uh, definitely a unique challenge that that you guys are solving for, and then being responsible about it, right? You know, making sure that we're plugged into the uh, the coordinated vulnerability disclosure processes to to help communicate with our customers and and help make sure uh, that we we bring the weaknesses to light and then go off and solve them. No, that makes total sense. Now, for yourself, you know, curiously about for yourself, were you always interested in cybersecurity? Like, how did you get into this field? Great question. <laughs> Uh, so at, at a very, you know, at the risk of sounding cliche, 
right? There's this movie Hackers that came out when I was a a, a, a teenager, um, and I, I watched the movie. I thought it was extraordinarily awesome. I contacted a local telco that was in my my neighborhood, asked them if they needed some help at the high school or after the high school level, um, and they, they brought me on as a an, an internship and a a junior employee and have stayed in it ever since. I was a customer of yours right when you were there uh, in Telos. I went to University of Virginia, so I was definitely <laughs> yes. you were data network yeah. engineer at Intelos. I was like, dude, that was I was like, the, you know, I'm not trying to dog the company, but I was like, this is the worst cable service ever. <laughs> I didn't use we didn't use the internet, we didn't use Intelos internet, but I was like, dang, this stinks. <laughs> well, I was I was <laughs> that's funny. I was running the security side of it, not necessarily the access part of it. so you know you were you were there knocking it out and then it's you know when we follow because we could (laughs) if anyone checks out the linkedin for Derek, i mean you had this really interesting career because you started as a network engineer which you know like you said you that's your that's your toe in the water what made you you know what about specifically the movie hackers got you so interested in it because for those who haven't seen the movie um i do remember this i think we're roughly the same age what got you fired up about it and like, hey, I want to be part of this world? So I think they were using these devices called red boxes and they were using these red boxes to uh, like steal telephone conversations. Um, and I knew how kind of telcos work. Uh, and I, I reached out to the company to say, hey, you know, I, I'm aware of this weakness. and I'm aware of it's being used in your environment. How about I work with you to help shut it down? Um, and I, I started from there and uh, led into a long career of helping young UVA students get their cable wireless up and running. this is a great because this is a like you said it's a time span of about you know 20 years um you were there on the network side eventually you you start working different industries from aerospace to financials all the way now up to amd what's one of the things you know besides the speed at which innovation is occurring what are you also noticing that's that might be happening in the cybersecurity space that maybe we don't we can't quite see uh as consumers because you know, this thing is evolving so fast. You mentioned threat actors are here. Talent keeps having to rise. It's a constant, like, it's like everyone's trying to one-up each other, right? Like everyone, every time you stop something, the bad guys try to do something. Then you got to figure out how to stop that. Then you're constantly doing this. Besides speed, what else have you started noticing in the space? Is there more attention, more priority being paid to it? Because sometimes some people feel like there's less priority and attention being paid to it. But then you just told me one in 20 jobs is for cybersecurity. So it seems like, man, this seems like a lot of people care a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, you know, excellent question. I think one of the things I'm seeing is uh, just new fundamental philosophies about imp- information security. Uh, before, you know, the, everybody marched on the path of defense in depth, right? Everybody, you know, still kind of uses confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Um, but what I think industry is is moving rapidly to is zero trust, mm. right? And the, the easiest way I kind of explain it is the old way is. It was based on trusted IPs and trusted zones and trusted connections. Um, and, and now we can't think that way anymore. Now it's at any given time, at any given moment, any asset become can become hostile, right? And designing your infrastructure on those principles is, is part of the journey. And I see many companies are, are undertaking that journey with, with AMD being no exception. Um, and I think adopting, adding kind of that zero trust into your defense and depth model and your confidentiality, integrity, and availability model will really help solve some of some of today's issues. Yeah. 
Will, do you, do you see, uh, like if, if zero trust gets more widely adopted, do you see like things, I don't know, will things move faster or slower? Because it feels like, I feel like things would move continuously slower because you need more encryption keys on each of the endpoints. Uh, you need authentication systems to recognize data that's going from, you know, A to B. It feels like that would slow things down, but you know more than me, like what the ha- what's happening inside of the innovation side. Is this going to happen at just the blink of an eye? where your authentication and encryption decoding and keys are just going to process so fast that people will be none the wiser? I think it's the latter. I mean, security tools are continuing to work better together to create really a, a trusted, ubiquitous environment that doesn't impact user productivity. I mean, I, I think we all remember like tracking down your RSA key and oh, yeah. trying, to get your, <laughs> trying to get your RSA key data in there. And if you... You know, if you're if you're two bars away from it, time and out, you then have to wait thirty seconds or a minute for it to to get a new code out. It's it's not like that anymore. It's definitely it's definitely changing. Where there's definitely new innovations into the space that only look at that identity factor, but also the 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 state of your PC, the the commonality of your connection, and and make real time judgment calls based on that data to really enable the uh, the ecosystem. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine how, like, if, if all data is zero trust and all information is traveling at zero trust, then does that instantly solve the, what you just talked about <laughs> earlier in the show, like the solder board? Like if I, if I, if I were to go hack, if I were to bri- physically, well, first I'd have to physically break in somewhere, try to solder something to the motherboard. <laughs> then it would be like, it would instantly know like, Hey, this is in violation. Like this shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah. You break your root of trust and the device wouldn't work anymore. And, and my team would get a notification and it will come track you down. <laughs> oh man Derek it's awesome having you today on IT Visionaries Uh, thanks for sharing some of your career thanks for sharing how you see some of the ecosystem of security but before you go it is time for the lightning round the lightning round is brought to us by Salesforce platform the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience Derek this is where we ask you questions outside of the realm of work so our audience can get to know you a little better sounds good all right so Everyone wants to know, outside of work, what do you do for fun? Well, I, I, I have a three-year-old and a four-year-old, two boys. So right now where I'm spending my, my fun time is playing with my kids, watching them grow up, um, cleaning spaghetti off the walls and uh, <laughs> chasing them around the house. But, but outside of that, I, I think you mentioned you came from UVA. I came from JMU, right? Really snowboarding, hiking the Appalachian Trail. Uh, lots of outdoor activities, and, and Austin's a great place for that. All right, now I got to ask, what years were you at JMU? Uh, you're you're going to make me go back and go in ancient days. Just give me a range. <laughs> let's, let's, say, let's say late 90s. <laughs> All right, so our times overlapped. What can you say about mid-career employees? Can you talk about how you think mid-career employees should think about mentorship? Yeah, good question, Albert. There's really a responsibility, I would say, for mid-career employees to continue to foster their mentor relationships and also consider bringing on mentees. Look for the, the new generation of talent. Look for the next generation of talent coming into uh, the information security workforce and, and establish that, that meaningful long-term relationship with them and help them find their first uh, and subsequent roles. Derek. Thanks again for coming on the show. This was a fun interview. I appreciate you sharing all your thoughts, your career. I forgive you for being at Intelos, but thanks for sharing from Intelos all the way to now. 
as a CISO at AMD, sharing all the career journey and, of course, some of the things that you guys are up to at AMD and really how you guys think about the future. Absolutely, Albert. Thank you for the invite. It's been a great conversation. Thank you to you. Thank you to the team. And thank you to IT Visionaries uh, for hosting me. 